This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, April 3rd, 2023. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Staff Writer and Box Office Analyst Ryan Scott. Hey, hey everyone. How's it going? Well, Ryan, it is Monday, so that means we're here talking about box office. Actually, before that, I just want to say I saw John Wick this weekend. Oh, you finally uh, saw it? Yeah, great movie. Uh, I will say that, like, I feel like the first hour was a little slow, but once once you get into the last hour, it's like nonstop insanity, like some of the best action I've seen in, in years. Yeah, so. I, I didn't run up against – I had some people say that first hour was slow. I think you could have maybe cut 10 minutes out of the movie overall, um, yeah. but, but, I, but I think given that it's almost three hours and that it doesn't really drag too much, it's pretty pretty damn impressive. Yeah, it's no criticism. It's it's literally one of the best action movies in years. So if you haven't seen it, go see it while you can on the big screen. Uh, but Ryan, how did uh, things fare this weekend at the box office? Yeah, so the big the big the big one uh, coming in this weekend was Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves, uh, which is from Paramount Pictures, who I dubbed the winner of the box office last year. Uh, Paramount had a phenomenal year last year, and they've already got a big hit under their belt with Scream Six right now. Um, this was kind of a, a bit of a riskier franchise play. The original Dungeons and Dragons movie from 2000 flopped pretty bad. Um, but uh, this one kind of in mixed territory here. So um, it comes with a $150 million budget, which is very squarely in big blockbuster territory. So it needs to make big money. Well, it made $38.5 million domestically and $33 million internationally for a $71.5 million debut. Not great, but not terrible. The not terrible comes in as it it debuted on the high end of domestic expectations due to stellar word of mouth and reviews actually pushing it there. And it also did the same internationally. Deadline had originally said it was only maybe going to make 25 million or so internationally and did 33 million. So it's over indexing a bit. However, with a $150 million budget, your floor for being somewhat of a success is at least 400 million dollars 
you know, give or take, um, <laughs> you know, that would put it in like Pacific Rim territory, right? And like that got a sequel, but um, I mean, with, with that kind of debut, you're talking just absolutely stellar legs to get to that point. Um, and, uh, I don't see it happening. I hate to say you've got Mario coming out this week and that looks like it's going to make an absolute killing with some people predicting that could be one of the highest grossing movies of the entire year. So, um, you know, it's it. And then you've still got John Wick going strong, uh, of note, John Wick chapter four after this weekend, the highest grossing R rated movie since bad boys for life. So highest grossing R rated movie since the pandemic began. Um, it's pretty good stuff. Um, but yeah, so Dungeons and Dragons going to be, going to be a tough, tough sledding for a movie that I thought was pretty good. And I, and I wish it had gotten a better shake. Yeah. Almost everybody I know that has seen this movie, like is singing its praises, which is, it's weird to me because I, the trailers really did not do anything to me. It like looked bad. It looked actively bad from the trailers. Uh, most of the trailers, I thought that the one clip. Were- that oh, one sorry, clip where they were talking to the dead person, I thought was funny, but yeah, that that scene, by the way, in the movie is phenomenal. But like, so I thought the trailers were fine, but like, I, I'm not a big fantasy guy, but I saw this at South by Southwest and like a lot of people were stunned at how good it actually is. And uh, same, same directors of game night, uh, which is one of the best comedies in the last handful of years. And so, you know, uh, I, I mean, again, I'm hopeful. I think anything that 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 gets more people out to theaters is good. And if this can generate a franchise, that would be even better. Um, but, you know, not looking great right now. So, um, you know, I think with the numbers it pulled, it might have a chance at kind of making just enough money to like not totally be a flop. But but I, I, I think like a sequel or, or, or a franchise here is very unlikely. Well, that's disappointing. I will say that. If you look at the numbers on like Rotten Tomatoes, it, it is well reviewed in the audience score is also like on par. So 91% on tomato meter and 93% uh, audience score. You usually don't see that much of a consensus between critics and no, audiences. And, and, and it also is an A minus cinema score, which is stellar. So, I mean, again, you know, it's a, I think that's the only reason it was nice to at least see it get to the higher end of expectations. Whereas like a lot of people were bitching like, oh, why are, you know, people saying this is a success and Shazam was a flop. Well, Shazam was a big DC superhero movie and it came in well below even already low expectations. So it's all relative. But but to that point, though, I'm still not like I'm not saying Dungeons and Dragons is a hit where Shazam was a flop. No, Shazam is a flop and this could still be a flop, but it at least has a chance to escape that. So, you know, slightly different um you know lens there but it's all relative yeah well you mentioned this week uh super mario brothers coming out this very well could be the biggest movie of the year right like uh it's it it feels like it hits all the quadrants not only all the quadrants but it's multi-generational in terms of like quadrants by the way i try not to use that word too much but it's basically saying like you're gonna hit every demographic that you could possibly hope to hit with a movie like uh you you got nostalgia for older people you've got animated stuff that kids recognize you've got you know fam i mean it really there's nobody in theory that this movie couldn't be for well the the movie had its premiere and we have the first reactions from the critics uh who who saw it and i will i'll read some of the quotes here uh, obviously no spoilers here so um eric davis from fandango uh who generally loves everything uh says the uh, super mario brothers movie is the ultimate love letter to every era of mario love the humor and especially jack black's bowser 
I felt the same way watching this movie as I do feel playing the games. It's just joyful. Also stay for the credits. Um, Tim Geddes says it's awesome. He teared up from hype more than once. The music is the star of the show. Nintendo fans are going to be obsessed. I'm not sure any movie in history has had this many Easter eggs in good ones. Um, a lot of people talked about the Easter eggs. Which, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know uh, what, what to make out of that. Um, I, I, will, I will read on the other side of the coin. Uh, Jermaine Lucier, who used to work for Slash Foam, now is over at io9, says... I really wanted to like it, but I did not. A few solid scenes capture the spirit of the game, but mostly it's an overly goofy, bare-bones plot filled with bad jokes and worse song choices. It looks great, but I was more bored and annoyed than entertained. And then uh, there's a couple other uh, negatives here. I'll say uh, Dave Lee says, very fun ride filled with references and Easter eggs. Unfortunately, while there's lots of cool quote-unquote stuff in here it's thin and formulaic narratively also not enough screen time with mario and luigi together fans will have a good time though so uh what do you make of this first round of reactions because i feel like usually the first round are usually the more more positive than you see when the the review embargo actually breaks um do you think that us expecting this to be possibly the biggest movie of the year like do you think do you think there's somewhat like there's some negatives here? Do you think that might mean it won't have as much buzz and might not get there? No, it's not going to matter. Um, it's going to be, it's going to, no, I'm serious. It's just, it's just one yeah. of those movies that's so primed to like, like people, you know, roll their eyes when a new Minions movie is announced, but those movies literally made a billion dollars at the box office. Like these are family movies. And it's also like your average person who does not live their life online is going to be excited to go see a Mario movie bring their nephew, bring their kids, bring their, like it's some, it, it, so you're going to sell more tickets like for just out the gate. And I do think that it's like, it's one of those things I bet you anything. It's like the, the, the rotten tomatoes critic score is probably like in the low sixties, but the audience scores in the eighties or nineties, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just going to be, I would bet, I'm not saying for sure, but I, I'm reading between the lines here, these reactions, I feel like that's yeah. probably like if you're going to make an animated Mario movie, it seems like you're hitting the beats that like most people are probably going to expect from that sort of thing. Um, and in a year where there's a lot of uncertainty, particularly around like some of these superhero movies coming out, um, like you're looking at maybe like this or Guardians of the Galaxy three being the being the. I will say I when when this movie was first announced, I was toying like I don't know if this movie's ceiling is like Detective Pikachu, where it makes a little less than five hundred million worldwide, or if it makes like a billion. I kind of don't know. And I still kind of don't know, but I still mm. see it being in the top 10 highest grossers of the year for sure. So, um, you know, you, you, to that end, that's that's going to complicate things for Dungeons and Dragons. But yeah, you, you mentioned Minions. I want to read this one last review quote from Rendy Jones, who says the Mario worlds are brought to life with top notch animation and energetic, energetic action that will delight kids and fans full of loving Easter eggs and cameos. That said. It's a Mario movie made by Illumination, and I'll leave it at that, period. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> look, you can say whatever you want about Illumination, but they are hitting it yeah. out of the park pretty much every time because Disney has kind of abandoned theatrical animation over the past couple of years because of the pandemic. And I just wrote a thing last week where Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, is going to end up outgrossing Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania worldwide because it's been the only family-friendly animated movie in theaters since December. You know, so it's just been able to go and go and go. And also, it doesn't help hurt for the record. Puss in Boots is great. 
Now that's yeah. not Illumination, that's Universal Pictures and DreamWorks, but the point being these animated movies from Universal are working very well. So, you know, it it I, with that and the Mario branding, I, I see this being a hit. Okay, well, we got to talk about Fantastic Four and also a live action remake of Moana, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Okay, let's get into it. Let's talk about Marvel's Fantastic Four movie. You know, this has been on the slate for a while now. We really haven't learned much about this, but we now know who is writing it or a writer has come on board. And, you know, uh, this writer's pedigree is uh, one of the biggest movies of all time. So, Ryan, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so this broke late last week, but uh, the the Fantastic Four reboot was officially announced by uh, by Marvel, I believe, during that hellish Disney Investor Day in December of 2020. Um, and for any journalist that does this for a living, they will remember that Investor Day in Disney, uh, 2020. None of us were expecting that to be that big of a deal, and just everything in the world was announced. Um, but uh, very little has actually happened with it since then. Uh, we do know that um, uh, uh, it is going to be directed by Matt Sheckman of WandaVision, and originally... Um, Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer, who is kind of uh, kind of an upcoming duo of writers, had been tasked to write this, uh, and and their upcoming movies are largely comedic, such as Disaster Wedding and something called K-pop Lost in America. Well, it seems like Marvel is going in a bit of a di- different direction here, as they have hired Josh Friedman to now pen the screenplay, and uh, he was the one who got the story by credit for Avatar: The Way of Water. Um, so his name is attached to one of the three highest grossing movies of all time. Um, this is also someone who has a lot, has a lot more experience in Hollywood overall. Uh, he, uh, he, uh, was one of the credited writers on Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds, uh, wrote Terminator Dark Fate, also created the Snowpiercer TV show and foundation for Apple TV plus the guy's got a lot of, you know, experience and, uh, you know. Uh, a bit more serious in tone, it seems, uh, based on his work. So, you know, uh, Marvel seems to be retooling some things behind the scenes. Uh, and worth noting that they also just brought on a new writer for Thunderbolts as well. Um, so I, I I have thoughts on this. I, I, I don't want to speculate <laughs> too wildly, but I do have some feelings on what might be going on here. Before we get to your feelings, I want to hear your feelings. I do want to say that Josh Friedman, like looking at his list of credits, is actually very impressive. Aside from, you know, he did Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles uh, TV show, uh, Lock and Key. But he's worked with Steven Spielberg. He's worked with Brian De Palma and the Black uh, Dahlia. He's worked on uh, he's working uh, with West Ball and Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Avenger, I mean, uh, Avatar four and five, he's, uh, supposedly working on with James Cameron. Um, and you know, he also got story by credits on, uh, some of the Terminator stuff and obviously yeah. said Avatar of way of water. Uh, so big, a big gun, a big name, uh, yeah. And a, 
yeah. So what, what do you, what do you, you know, speculate wildly. This is not based on anything you've heard. What, what do you think is going on here? Also, not for nothing here. Uh, if I could put myself into cryo sleep until Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes comes out, I would. Um, that uh, I am, I am, that movie's giving me like a reason to live. Uh, but anyway, um, so uh, here's hoping. But uh, look, pretty clear. We've talked a lot about this, that like, Marvel is not in the most enviable, enviable, enviable position that they've been quite some time. Um, and I think Bob Iger knows that. I think Kevin Feige knows that. Uh, I mean, you know, aside from Ant-Man not performing particularly well, some of the reviews for the recent movies not being there. Um, there's the Jonathan Majors of it all right now. There, Victoria Alonzo was recently fired. Um, Ike Perlmutter's gone and look, a lot of people view that as a positive, but things are changing. It is very, very, very clear that like changes are happening at Marvel. And yeah. I would wager that hiring two writers, two new writers for two of the biggest movies they have coming down the pipeline at the time that those writers were hired is not coincidental. Um, it, it seems to me that they are very aware that things need to change. And I think that they're putting people in place to make those changes. Sounds like a pivot to me. I, I would but. say but I, that's the word I'm hesitating to use, but I think that they, <laughs> but I, yeah, I think that they are, they are pivoting. Okay. Well, right before we went on to record this podcast, Disney had their investors meeting, uh, which part of that, they announced the live action remake of Moana with Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Dwayne Johnson actually recorded a video, which you can see on uh, YouTube and Twitter. And he, uh, in the video says he intends to reprise his role as Maui. Uh, he's there with his two daughters. He, he makes the the pitch that this is like a family thing and like how uh, his grandfather reminded him of Maui and um, re really uh, makes it sound like it's, um, you know, not rooted in Disney wanting to make money, but it, you know, obviously Bob Iger came back and uh, he, he even said, you know, the, the way we're going to, uh, turn around this company is to to make more sequels and remakes and and uh, use the ip that we have i don't think he said it in those words but my oh, he more or less said it exactly in those words like that's <laughs> why we are getting to toy story 5 and zootopia 2 like it's that's exactly what he said yeah uh we know that uh the actress that played um moana Aulili Cravaglio. I think I said that kind of, somewhat correct. I looked it up before the podcast. Um, she, who was wonderful. She she is so great, but we don't know if she's actually going to be reprising the role in the live action. We know I that don't she's think be that's going to be the case. I think yeah. she's just producing because she's also, producing. if I'm not mistaken, she's probably a little too old to play. So I, I have to show my cards. I've actually not seen Moana. Like I, it's one of the, it's, it, it oh missed my me. God, at, Ryan. I know I've heard it's great. It just missed me at the time that it came out. And, uh, but, but, um, but yeah, but so but so I if I'm not mistaken, she she's just a little older now than the character in the movie. Yeah, I I think that's probably the case. Um, Ryan, you need to go see Moana. Moana, I think, might be my favorite Disney animated film from Disney Animation in probably 20, 30 years. Right, and I it, know it, people love it. It's just you know yeah. when something misses you when it comes out, and then you just like yeah. get caught up and everything. It's just one of those things that I miss. But but um. But yeah, I mean, that seems to be that they're there. The, the one thing uh, Johnson said in the video is that like, it's like very early development. Like it's pretty clear that 
I think it's pretty clear that literally they just like signed papers for this recently and they just wanted to announce it. Um, it strikes me as something that is in like that just entered development. Yeah, it's a, I think the same screenwriters are involved, and yeah, it, it seems like this happened probably like last week or something. Yeah, like like the like the again like the maybe they you know things take time, but I do think that like that like the deals probably just came together and and it's going to be a bit. But and I think this is notable for a number of things. Uh, before we talk about it, if this is uh, worth doing, I should mention that this is the first time that Disney. Has, is remaking in live action one of their Disney animated films of the modern era. Everything has been kind of like, what's the oldest? I guess like uh, Beauty and the Beast in terms of a film being remade. I think that's old. Well, because I guess Maleficent is a take on... Um, I, I mean, uh, sorry. I mean like by the old, like uh, the newest um Lion film. King maybe? Oh, uh, Lion King. Yeah, possibly Because that would Lion go 93? But this is like a movie that came out six years ago. Yeah, so. seven years ago, if you're being generous. Yeah, and I and yeah. I would say by the time it comes out, it would be a decade probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, unlike you know Lion King, which I guess was a couple decades before about it came out, so. twenty five years. Yeah, uh, I think about. Uh, so I, I don't know. I f- I feel like we have until now felt like, uh, going back to the classics was what disney was doing but it now seems like this has opened the box for them to do maybe a frozen live action film i i see that coming next i see that being announced uh well i mean i guess they're making another animated movie so maybe they'll wait until after that maybe but, but, um, but they but uh uh worth noting that daniel richtman um who is a n- known uh what you would call a scooper in our business um, some people know him as daniel rpk yeah he, his track record is there are those people that like do this, that like claim to have scoops that their track records are spottier than, you know, a Dalmatian, but like, but his is like shockingly good. Um, so he, just after this news broke, he said, Hey, I'd been sitting on this Moana thing for a bit, but Hey, just, just so you know, it looks like they're going to do tangled and frozen as well. And then the Hollywood reporters, Boris Kitt, who again, one of the most reliable guys in the business on Twitter said, he he didn't say that tang that that tangled and frozen are happening, but he sort of like stopped short of saying that. So it seems like this is going to be something they're going to look at doing. Uh, okay, uh, I'll say this. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the live action remakes. Uh, I liked a couple of them. Jungle Book's not bad. Pete's Dragon um, is spectacular. Yeah, that's spectacular. I, but I think that had the had the room to be like, you know, it's nothing like the original. <laughs> it's like, you know, they basically just took the core of the idea. Uh, whereas Moana is like such an amazing story, movie, songs. I don't I don't know how. I don't know. It, it's hard to say like they shouldn't do this because they've already remade some of the biggest Disney classics of all time. So it's like, you know, why not make, you know, Moana is a recent movie it's not even you know up at the level of some of the movies they remade but like i don't know it just it seems very hard to me that they could make this movie different enough i guess what they bring back lynn manuel and have some new songs composed and well that's if lynn would do it like because that's the thing is he might you yeah, know he announce might, his name right yeah he might feel precious about the animated one right like i don't think that they announced for sure that he was doing this yeah 
Yeah. So, I, like, how could you make this better than that? Well, you haven't seen the original, so I, I haven't don't seen know. It, but but again, reception-wise, like, this is one of the most acclaimed Disney movies of any kind of the last yeah. And again, people, all anyone was saying online is like, this is stupid. This sucks. I hate this. But I can't tell you how many times I hate to be this guy. Cannot tell you how many times I've seen this reaction to something happening. Why are they making this? Who's doing this? Hollywood's out of original ideas. I hate this. And then that movie goes on to make a ridiculous amount of money because most people who do not live their lives online do not care and will probably go see this. Those Disney live action remakes, even against like The Lion King, pretty poor reviews, mixed reviews at best. $1.65 billion at the global box office. Alice in Wonderland, a billion dollars. The Jungle Book, a billion dollars. Beauty and the Beast, $1.2 billion. Cinderella, even almost $600 million. Like these things just make money. That's all that they do. So at a time when Disney needs surefire things to happen, at a time when they need to shore up the company's identity again and get things back on the right track, of course they're going to do something like this. Yeah. I think, yeah, is it a little too soon? Probably. But they're doing a How to Train Your Dragon live action movie over at Universal. How is that any different? Mm. I, I don't know. It, 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 it's tough. I, I, I just don't. I mean, I'm going to go see the movie. <laughs> so, I mean, sure, I'm part of the, the thing, problem. Everyone will. And my thing is, like, at a time, like, we've seen, we've had a little bit more luck this year with, certain movies starting to make money at the box office and even like tar and the Fablemans made some money, you know, relative to what they opened to. But like until people start going out to movies that are not franchise films in theaters with like meaningful numbers being put up, this is what we're going to get. And it also doesn't hurt that like during the pandemic, a a lot of the theaters that closed in the United States were like independent theaters and like an independent cinema houses. So like, a lot of these adult focused original films don't have as many screens to play on as they used to. So like, you know, yes, there are problems and challenges, but the big thing is that like, these are the things that make financial sense for Hollywood to do, particularly a big studio like Disney. So until which time they stop making sense financially, we are going to continue to see them. That's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. I just wonder like, you know, obviously this make, this is a smart move for Disney right now. They need to shore up, as you said, but I just wonder like, at what point does this, devalue the ip that they have spent so many years creating and being the foundation of this company at what point like 20 years down the line does you know some kid that's like you know you go up to kid and like you know what do you think of disney films he's like oh lion king's horrible this is horrible because they don't even know the animated film they just know the live do you know what i mean like but i don't think kids but i don't think kids think that remake is horrible right like i bet a lot of kids love that like more recent lion king you know what i mean like i don't you know, I don't know. It's like it's 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 like the same way that like, you know, we a lot of people our age grew up like kind of not loving the Star Wars prequels. And then like for an entire generation of kids that came up behind us, they love those movies and they've always loved those movies. So like, yeah, yeah I don't know, man, I, 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 I see your point, but I also don't know that that's the way it's going. Okay, we've hit the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.